On this episode of Unleashed Cast Insights, I talked to Tanya Boyd, PhD, from a company called Insights. She has a PhD in industrial and organisational psychology and has worked as an internal and external consultant as well as a university instructor. She's worked for and consulted with organisations across the globe in many industries. She's also contributed to a book on leadership published by the Centre for Creative Leadership. We discuss the things that post-pandemic L&D is going to keep and the things that it's going to leave behind. It's a fascinating conversation. Do enjoy. We're going to be talking about a great many things, but let's kick off with learning and development. It's something that's always been changing. There's probably a good reason it's changed quite a lot over the last two years. So what's diff- what's been different about the innovations in L&D over the last couple of years specifically? Yeah, it has been changing for always, right, from its, it, from its inception. But I, I think over the last two years, two things that I've really noticed to be specifically changing even more are just the speed at which things are happening and then the technology that we have access to. And as you referenced there, the pandemic over the last two years has caused us to, to have to adjust pretty drastically uh, to, to uh, what's, what we're facing. And uh, back in 2020, I think, was, was the impetus when all this kind of kicked off. And I, I work for a company called Insights, and we've done some virtual facilitation before 2020, but we have an accreditation that people go through. And up until that time, it had been fully uh, face-to-face in the room. And if you'd asked anybody at Insights whether we would ever do that virtually, we would have said, absolutely no, no way. <laughs> but on March 10th, 2020, my boss said, hey, guess what? you have two weeks to take our four-day in-person accreditation and create a fully virtual version of it. Go. Um, And we did it. So the pressure, I think, from the pandemic and from just people being pushed into lockdown, I think led to a faster pace of innovation in L&D, in the L&D industry. And I think it was because internal training departments, as well as vendors, we had to pivot to meet the the needs of our learners that were changing. And then for vendors like us, we had to do that in order to kind of stay alive and stay even you know, current and relevant in the market. So it, with that pressure, a lot of things that maybe would have been barriers came down, things that I might've had as obstacles in the past were just removed. And I was sort of free to, to move forward and do what needed to be done. And so in my case, you know, I, I maybe would have had to take my content and sort of put it through a whole process and have it checked by a lot of people and all those checks and balances. But but because of that time frame, it was like, nope, just go and do it. Um, and on the one hand, that did let us move quickly to create something brand new that maybe wouldn't have happened. But it also meant that what we put out there might not have really been perfect, right? Or or what we what we might have initially wanted it to be. So speed is a big deal. And I think The second thing that I've seen that's been different is just the amount of technology options and what technology can do that's available to us in L&D. And obviously these things were already happening, but I think the the availability and the functionalities of, of technology was just accelerated by the pandemic because everybody was looking for technology to allow people who are you know, suddenly forced to be in their homes to continue to work or to go to school or to, to interact. And so if you are a tech company that had an existing product, you all of a sudden switched all your focus and said, well, how can we make that product better? And there were tons of new companies that just popped up to try to meet 
those those differing demands or differing needs of people who were you know suddenly stuck in their homes if you look think about uh, tools that had been around things like adobe connect and zoom and teams and I, it was so interesting to watch what happened even to those products in the first six months of the pandemic um you know, i think microsoft teams is probably the one that had a like the steepest curve that i saw when we first used that there were no breakout rooms you couldn't do any kind of annotation. It sort of felt clunky compared to like Zoom in the moment. But over time and really quickly, it it developed those features and then just keeps adding things so, so fast. And I think it was kind of that competition among technology companies that served L&D. It's been so fierce. And as our facilitators have learned more about what makes effective learning, um, or how to how to do training in a virtual environment, the facilitators are asking for more tools. We want to do this. We want to do that. And platforms really had to scramble in order to to keep up, or else they risk losing their clients to you know to some other company that's popped up. And I think it's I, I noticed a bit of a, a shift. I think in the past there was kind of this often this loyalty to your tech provider, right? You kind of found a company that you liked and offered pretty much what you needed. And if they didn't do everything, that was okay. You kind of forgave them and, and would make adjustments to what you would do to work with the functionalities that they had. But what I saw in the past two years, like that loyalty really gave way to functionality. And it seems like more companies were willing to say, hey, like we've loved you in the past, but actually we really need this right now and you can't do it. So we're gonna go use this, this new company. So I think that situation has had pros and cons with that. So because of that dynamic nature of all of those technology players in L&D, like barriers to entry were lowered and new vendors emerged to bring some really cool new technology capabilities to L&D, which is, which is awesome because as an L&D professional, I have so many options to choose from now than I did even a couple years ago. But the thing that, that concerns me, or the con of that, is that just because technology is able to do something, that doesn't mean that it's the right thing for, for L&D to do. So that's, that's kind of the, the speed and the technology are the things that I'm, I'm looking at. I think in the early days, we were kind of reacting a lot to uh, the, 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 the big change that... Uh, we've been put under and so maybe some of the things that we were doing a couple of years ago or some of the trends that, that were emerging haven't quite hit the marks haven't quite they're not going to be things that we keep with us moving forward what what are those things you think that we sort of maybe started out doing haven't really panned out the way we thought in the last couple of years yeah so I think that there's kind of a theme about that and the, the trends that I'm most concerned about are are trends that overlook what we know about how people learn in favor of something that's sort of like a gimmick or, or cool capability. And, and there's sort of, sometimes there, I think there's this assumption that just adding technology will make it perfect or, or make it magically improve what, what maybe wasn't great to begin with. But I think it's important to remember that if content is not strong content or if a learning experience hasn't been designed with learning principles in mind, just digitizing it doesn't, isn't suddenly gonna make it effective. And then on the flip side of that, if you've got a really good, strong learning experience that was designed for in-room instructor-led training, you can't just put it online and expect it to, to work the same way. 
And I think we saw a lot of this right when the pandemic hit. I think schools did this, universities, uh, organizations. And I mean, it's understandable. Teachers and trainers were just trying to figure out what, like, how do we keep learning happening or how do we give people something to do in the midst of this lockdown? But I think we saw pretty quickly that that, that doesn't work or didn't work. Um, and I think you know we have to commend people for doing something, getting getting something out there. But I think at this point now, it's pretty clear that when you design for in-room facilitation, that's a different process than designing for virtual instructor-led training. And that's a different process for designing for what we face now, which is kind of that hybrid hybrid learning environment. You know, I'm a pretty positive person. So even though we're talking about things to get rid of, I just want to share an example of how I think technology has actually helped to take some of those initial sort of stumbling attempts and, and make them actually more effective. Um, even, not, even before the pandemic, when people were trying to do this online training, a lot of times what, we, what would happen is you'd take a one hour long recording of PowerPoint slides or talking heads, and that was kind of the norm. You know, Take what used to be a two to three hour workshop and just record the slides and put it online. And woo, there you've got online training. And, you know, the technology to track whether people actually watched those recordings or not was not really very available. So I don't think we have a ton of records about whether anyone actually did watch those. But since then, some cool stuff that's happened with technology is that those videos started to be able to be broken down into chunks and like time stamped and then topic stamped. So now if you if you search online for like how to how to do something, you get a ton of links that take you right to the point of a video that addresses your specific question. So I think that's cool because all those sort of boring, ineffective hour-long videos that were stuck up on the on the cloud don't have to be thrown away. Technology's actually enabled them to be turned into performance support tools that provide answers for a question that you might have, you know, in your specific moment of need. So so I think one thing to ditch is just assuming that the same content or learning experience can be used whether you're in room virtually or digitally and have the same effect. But I think we're almost there. I think we I think that's a pretty common understanding. It's just we need to make sure that we keep that front and center as we move forward and kind of evaluate the um, the innovations that are that are being brought forward. So that's one. The second one that I I'm just really, um, it's again, it's got it's got two sides to, to the coin, good and bad, but there's a big trend uh, about gamification. And just as kind of a definition, gamification is, is when we use things like points or badges or the leaderboards or, or things associated with kind of game playing, but we use that to encourage our learners to actually engage with or complete learning content. <laughs> so if you think about those hour long recordings that I said no one watched, I might have opened one of those and let it kind of run in the background while I do other things if I get points or a badge for having you know, completed it that now can be tracked. So gamification actually is an effective way to get people to do things, right? It uses psychology to motivate actions. Um, and then one of the learning platforms that I've been looking at now actually announces, they say, we help you get people addicted to your content. You know, and they say, oh, it's addicted in the positive sense, of course. But you know, they, they're just claiming it. Gamification helps people do stuff. But the thing that I'm concerned about is that like, gamification doesn't equal learning. So if, if the content or the learning experience that you've gamified 
hasn't been designed with solid learning principles as the foundation, then just because people complete it doesn't mean that they've actually they've actually learned something. So um, as I said, I'm a positive person. So I'm not saying that gamification itself is a bad thing. It's actually a really good tool to make use of, but it just needs to be brought in after you make sure that you've got strong content and learning experiences that are designed with those, those learning principles. We just don't want to fall into the trap of kind of leaning too heavily on gamification to drive to dr that that's going to be what's going to drive effective learning there um, for our organizations. So I think like the summary of that is the main things to watch out for is, is whether we're putting technology above learning or if we're putting sort of content above learners. And I think anything that does that should be kind of ditched. And instead we should look, look certainly embrace the potential of technology, but where technology is supporting those learning principles and where, and where it's our learners' needs that are really determining kind of the content and the experiences that, um, that we're creating for them. Tony, thank you so much for your time. Um, there's, there's so much great stuff in there from um, where we started two years ago, the changes that have happened in the last two years and the things that we're going to take moving forward. So thanks a lot for talking to our Leashcast today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.